Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Thursday, April 29th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day disingenuous, which means not truly honest or sincere. Hope everyone is having a lovely day so far. A lovely day here in North Carolina. The sun's out. It's warming up a little bit. We're getting a bit of, you might say, an early taste of summer. Temperatures are supposed to go up into the 80s today, tomorrow. I'm not too sure about the weekend. But all in all, all is well, all is well. Well, looks like President Joe Biden gave a speech last night to the joint session of Congress after his, well, today is actually his 100th day. So he went before Congress last night. A lot of, a lot of, um, I got to be honest with you, it, it was just a lot of rhetoric, a lot of political two-stepping, a lot of promising. Uh, that I I I got to be honest with you, whether you control the the House or the Senate or whatever or what have you, I just don't see you d- uh, doing all that you promise. Sounds good, makes you feel good, gives you all the warm and fuzzies inside, but I don't see it happening. And a- another thing I picked up on, um, politics one hundred and one as it continues, was. Uh, well, we all know his his promise, along with his vice president and many others in the Democratic Party, their promise to uh, police reform. Well, not to split hairs with that. I've heard it all before. And in fact, we'll get into some of this. What what? And an explanation will be given as to why I appear so harsh because I stumbled upon an article. Uh, about a local police department here and some uh, dastardly deeds they were doing. But back to the president and his promise for police reform and, you know, the the stop and stamp out racial inequality. Uh, Mr. President, you've been in office 100 days and you only speak of it when we see an instance of uh, what may be a sex, excessive police for, uh, force. And, um, you know, with the George Floyd uh, conviction of of Chauvin. And that's the only time you speak on it. Other than that, I really haven't heard any concrete plan for you to deal with this. So to me, personally, sounds like a bunch of nonsense and rhetoric. Simple and plain. And I'll leave it at that. You know, you've been in office 100 days. And and like I said, the only time you speak on it is when another... Video surfaces. Or there's been a trial and conviction. Outside of that, I don't hear anything from you or your vice president. Unless not unless you're on some kind of tour where you're promoting, of course, your your um plan to get America back on its feet. Understandable. But I just I I won't deal with it. Won't uh stand by and wait for it. Just won't. Now, uh, I'm sure I know everyone has heard of uh, the protests that happened last night here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, over the um, over the killing of, of, of a gentleman here by the Pasta Tank Sheriff's Department when they were going to execute a drug warrant. Well, you know, uh, protests ha- have erupted here, of course. Um, I guess, you know, in addition to the, 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 of course, the, the killing, what they're also protesting is, uh, the, the release or lack thereof of the release of the body cam footage of what actually happened. The family has seen a 22nd, a redacted version of the video or the, of the footage. Well, judge ruled yesterday that. He's going to give, uh, of course, the family rights to see the, the, I believe, the full video footage. 
but he's going to um, withhold the public being able to see it for 30 to 45 days until after the investigation or if they've gotten or to allow them to get further along in their investigation of what happened. So protests erupted. Uh, By the way, Elizabeth City is under curfew from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. So arrests were made last night at 11. That's three hours after the curfew. I don't believe that there there was any violence. Uh, Excuse me. I don't believe there was any violence or whatever, but uh, yeah, arrests were made and people are up in rage, rightfully so. Because uh, one of the things that came out due to an independent autopsy performed by the family, uh, uh, there was a shot to the back of his head. So they're calling it execution. Well, uh, we will see what happens with this, where this is going. Heart goes out to the family and his children. Drug dealer or no drug dealer. However many time felon or however many time felon he is or was, it is still a human being and that that family is most definitely rightfully so hurting. Now, I I understand the protests because of the killing. You know, he was driving away or whatever. But, um, you know, the body cam footage here in North Carolina is protected by a law that says, you know, the public can't access it. You know, the, the you have to go through the courts. Even for the, the news media, they have to go through the court system. They have a law that came, well, that was signed in 2020 that uh, pretty much said, no, you can't just release the, the body cam footage. As far as, uh, for me, I really don't understand why the public needs to see it. It's none of your business. The family needs to see it. And then they should be able to decide, hey, whether or not they want the rest of the public to see it. If, if that makes any sense. It, it's it's none of your business. It's, it just isn't. And I also have a problem with, with releasing this body cam footage during the investigation. Or shortly thereafter or whatever or what have you. Uh, heaven forbids you have to go to court and there and just in case there is a jury seated and they see this multiple times, just like with George Floyd, they see this multiple times. How can they, uh, how can they render a verdict bias if you see it every hour or every 30 minutes or every hour on hour or however many times you scroll your social media feed? Um, I just don't think it needs to be shown before you completed a full investigation. And and I don't think maybe they can get the case investigated in 30 to 45 days. Who knows? Hey, what do I know? Anyway, like I said, prayers for that family uh, are very much needed. Drug dealer, no drug dealer, repeated felon or no repeated felon. That was still a human life. Now, Let's move forward. And I alluded to this earlier when I was speaking of the president and his um, his fervent effort to uh, deal with police misconduct or police brutality or police excessive force or police killings of unarmed black men. Well, let me just, well, let's get into it. Uh, something stinks here in Raleigh, North Carolina. The Raleigh Police Department finds itself in the hot seat. And it stinks. Now, in 2018, police arrested a local homeless man nicknamed Aspirin. It was nicknamed Aspirin (laughs) because he allegedly was crushing up aspirin and selling it as cocaine. Mm. He was arrested, but somehow, some way, he became a confidential informant. How does that work? I guess, apparently that's how it works, or apparently here how it goes. Now, He would call in and claim to have a deal set up 
to buy heroin working with the police. He was a confidential informant. So he would call him up and say, hey, I got such and such that's, uh, that's going to buy or sell me some heroin. And, and, and I need, I guess he needed some money to make the deal, to make it look plausible. Then the officer, of course, or detective would meet up with him and Aspirin would go and make the deal. Now, go and make the deal, but how, again, somehow, some way, he would obscure his camera, and I guess his microphone also, because I, I, I would guess they would have audio. Somehow, some way, he would obscure the camera to make the deal. Now... <laughs> there's a lawsuit brewing and we'll get into that because you got to hear this story it's sickening it stinks now in, in fact the lawsuit lawsuit clearly states that it's unclear what transpired at these deals because he had his camera obscured covered it up in the microphone and it's also unclear whether anyone actually sold anything to old, reliable, trustworthy, A1 confidential informant, aspirin. Okay, there's one red flag. You don't have any video or audio of this guy doing a drug transaction that you gave him money? Now he would return. He returned a total of 16 times, by the way. He returned with a baggie claiming it to be heroin. But later after, and also in some instances of field testing being performed to see exactly what it was. And then it was even transported to the state lab for analysis. The, elect, the alleged heroin was actually your easily purchased in any convenience store, grocery store, drug store. Your easily purchased brown sugar. But despite the test, the RPD detective was still making arrests. Hold up. Wait a minute. You got one. He covered up the. Uh, he covered up the, the the camera and the microphone. You couldn't hear or actually see what was transpiring. Then he, when you test the product that he brings back and say he purchased, turns out to be brown sugar. Some of it you did right on the streets. Some you sent to the lab and, okay, there's a second red flag. He's leading you along and you're still paying him money and you're still using him as a confidential informant. So much so, like I said, it was a total of 16 transactions between 2018 through 2020. So this went on for the better part of two years. 16 total transactions. He, uh, 15 of which were for heroin and one for marijuana. I wonder where that one for marijuana came from. Hmm. How did that play into it? Now, despite also, uh, here's a third red flag. <laughs> Another officer that was with the detective that's mentioned in the lawsuit, because they, I, I, I guess they're trying to pin it all on him because it was his CI. So another officer who had also tested it in the field, he said, hey, wait a minute, man, this this isn't heroin. We can't identify what it is. So that's how it got to the state. That's when the state determined, hey, this is brown sugar. It's not heroin. Another officer raised a, another red flag. So that's three. You got three red flags. One of your officers or, or those that are working with you are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not it. What is this guy doing? Now the lawsuit is brewing, but the, the kicker for me that you had all of these red flags and you still arrested people for 
selling heroin, heroin, I'm sorry, selling heroin and distributing, distributing heroin. He arrested him. You know, the people rightfully so are suing for unlawful arrest and detention and are also alleging discrimination. All 16 were black that were arrested. Black Americans. Now named in the lawsuit are, of course, the detective, five fellow officers, and two supervisors. A sergeant and a captain. Huh, you think they would know? Because the guy that told him, the other officer that first, the first officer that told him, hey, wait a minute, this isn't it. We tested it. It's not heroin. He went up the chain after the, the detective still made the arrest. He went up the chain and he said, hey, wait a minute. We got a problem here. We're making all these arrests. And every, every arrest, we cut, when he comes back with this product, it's not heroin. It's not. It's brown sugar. But they still arrested these people. And these the this, this sergeant and captain and the other officers, by the way, are still on the job. I believe they said one was suspended without pay, but he's, I believe he came back to desk duty. Uh, whether he was suspended without pay or not, he still was getting a paycheck. A paycheck. Which, coincidentally, a lot of those they arrested because they were arrested for that charge and spent time in jail, they lost their jobs. How do you wrongfully arrest someone that you know you're arresting, the arrest isn't warranted, they lose their job, but you keep your job, or at least you keep an aspect of your job where you still receive pay? How convenient. Now, another aspect, one of those suing is a gentleman that was arrested as a result of old, reliable aspirin's statement. He was arrested with his two young kids in the car and held for six months, even though the state came back in two weeks. Uh, they came back in six weeks after he was arrested. He was arrested in January. They came January of uh Last year, I believe he was arrested in January of last year and and the state came back when they sent the drugs off for analysis, came back and said, hey, wait a minute. This is not heroin. This is brown sugar or an undetected substance. He sat in jail for six months. He wasn't released until later, the latter part of June or sometime in July. And so were the others. Every single last one of them that were arrested when they went to test the drugs and they came back, of course, this isn't what you think. They all had been in jail. In fact, so the police knew a few weeks after that it wasn't drugs. They kept them in jail for four, five, six months. So a lot of them lost their jobs that they had. So apparently Aspen was just going around picking people out. Maybe he was picking people out that he had a tiff with. Just any old body would do. Arrested this guy while he was with his two young kids. Lost his job. Arrested another gentleman who had just had a child. Lost his job. Then they arrested a female. They didn't go into depth about the female. But a total of 16 people were arrested, like I said. Now, how many red flags am I up to? Is it four? <laughs> Here's another red flag. Damn it, I lost count. What in the world is going on? Well, that's Raleigh Police Department. I was born and raised in Raleigh, by the way, so I know how they operate. I do. It's not a myth. It's a fact. Let's just say they are very shysty individuals. Can't call them a, a, a police department. They're just individuals. Yeah, I said that. Well, here's another red flag. <laughs> an officer that was helping with the, the little sting apparently you know when they would meet up they would give him money to make the, the purchase and a side note to that when you give this money to these informants or CIs isn't the money supposed to be marked somehow some way I, I thought but it didn't go into depth, in, in depth with that now apparently when they met up with old aspirin 
He said he purchased it, purchased 20 grams of heroin for $400. When actually the real street value of 20 grams at that time, they're saying was around 2000. So that was a red flag. Maybe they put a stop to all of it. Or maybe, hey, when those people got free, like I said, they got that lawsuit going now. And rightfully so, they need to sue. And also, why are those officers still at work? This is blatant. Blatant. This isn't a conspiracy theory. You arrested 16 people that weren't any, in no way, shape, form, or fashion. It is known had anything to do with this fool aspirin because it appears like i said he was just picking people out now you may be saying to yourself well how did if he was picking people out and they arrested these people and they had to have a record for something yeah they may have had a record for something but it, it wasn't a record for that you couldn't even get a clear audio or visual because this fool was obscuring the camera and microphone but yet and still you arrested them because they had a previous record baby Lord. <laughs> oh, it's not funny. It's disgusting. It's despicable. Now, of course, all the charges, once they found out what was going on miraculously, the DA dropped the charges. Woo, kudos for you. Great job. Great investigative work there, District Attorney's Office of Raleigh. Did a great job, great service. Woohoo, yay. Now, the state's coming in. The state is, is involved. And also, the state is investigating in internal affairs, are investigating also. Like I said, they're still working with Pedo. Now, here's uh, what the DA had to say. Now, I, I, I'm just going to tell you what, what she said or the representative said because I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm being biased here or that I'm flat out, flat out being a prick. Yeah, I am. Because the response sounds typical. The DA goes on to say uh, as many as 12 prosecutors or more work the specific division for narcotics. They have a heavy caseload. Evidence, evidence findings or red flags aren't linked. Now, however, we have a new system in place to assure nothing like this happens again. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, what's your system? How did you? Shouldn't there already have been a system in place to make sure you aren't? Oh, I don't know. Locking innocent people up. One, because of some simple-minded confidential informant and the other just because they're black. Yeah, there is some racial discrimination in this case, folks. You gotta admit it. You got to admit it. Man, it is blatant. It's here. It's there. It's staring you right in your face. Raleigh Police Department. What in the entire world is going on here? You know, I was born and raised in Raleigh. And I've, I've, I know how they operate. I've seen them lock a whole side of town just to flush one person out. And anybody that came along, kids or adult, and your ID didn't match that area or, or streets or streets they were on, uh, you were essentially SOL. Yeah, that's how a Raleigh Police Department operates. That's one of the main things. Many police departments, I mean, it is what it is. At this point, because this story tells the tale that is oh so familiar, familiar. It just does. This happens way too much. And it has to be a stop put to it. 
I mean, you stumbled upon this homeless guy that's been crushing up aspirins and selling them for cocaine. And you use him as a confidential informant. And you use him as a confidential informant, even though when he goes to make the drug transactions, he can't produce adequate audio or visual. So much to the point that you admit you couldn't tell what was going on visually, let alone audio. You couldn't tell who was there what they were exchanging. You just couldn't. Then another police officer comes along and says, wait a minute, I feel, I tested it, it's not heroin. I don't know what it is, but it ain't it. And you still go forward with the arrest. You arrest people that were out. Maybe they did have a previous record. Maybe they were involved somehow, some way in the drug game, but you arrested people that were working, trying to provide, and as a result, they lost their jobs. You arrested them when they were with their kids. You arrested one that had just had a child, couldn't see his child for the first six or eight months of its life because you had him in jail on some bogus charges. Then when, you know, the police that, that said this is this ain't it, he goes up the chain of command because obviously the good detective that was there wasn't hearing anything he was saying. He goes up the chain of command and the captain and the sergeant do the exact same thing. Maybe, I mean, I've heard it and then I, I've also heard the denial. Maybe there is a quota. As to how many arrests you have to perform while being a police officer. Because this sounds like you were just out there hunting. You didn't care about justice. You didn't care about serving and protecting. You were just arresting and possibly convicting. You probably would have got away with it. But something happened. That article doesn't go into depth as to why, you know, all these red flags or whatever but it doesn't go into depth how this really and truthfully played out. Maybe that'll come out later on. It doesn't go into depth as to why it came to the forefront now after two years. Because all this started in 2018. It was still going on last year during the pandemic. <laughs> wow. Just wow. That's all I got. Just wow. Typical. Yeah, this, this ties right into that. You know, people are running, uh, are protesting and raising hell about police brutality and, and police misconduct. Here's a prime example right in your own backyard. You don't have to go up to New York or California or, or Atlanta or wherever you, in the United States. It's right here. Been here. Yeah, I said that. We know this. This isn't new. This just tells you a, a, a recent tale, if anything. And why the hell are they still working? If you have all this evidence showing what they've been doing. Why are they still on the clock? Why are they still on the payroll? I guess that's the lead way you give to police officers until you finish your investigation. How convenient. How thoughtful. I don't know. That's that's just this. All of this is just a bit too much. No, it's not a bit too much. All of this is, like I said, is typical. We know this. We know this. It's nothing new. So just like I uh, alluded to earlier with the president, you 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 spouted this big game. Let's see what you're gonna do. How long is it going to take you? Are you going to have to do another investigation also? Are you going to have to set up some subcommittee? Is that what you're going to do? To investigate, gather information, statistics? Because when you go to wherever you need to go, you want to have all your information, all your ducks in a row. <laughs> okay, well, all right. <laughs> 
Ah, boy. All right, we're going to move on. I'm going to move on. I spent more than enough time dealing with that foolishness, because that's what it is, is foolishness. Now, earlier this week, I uh, did a podcast on the the decline in um, black church affiliation or the decline in black church membership and affiliation, I should say. Because uh, the second part of that Pew research study has come up with some more interesting details. Or it's expounded on it a little bit, let's just say. Now, what they're terming and what uh, these people also are terming themselves as the black nuns, and that's N-O-N-E-S, the black nuns, not to be confused with those from the Catholic uh, religion. They're calling themselves the black nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are people who describe themselves religiously as nothing in particular. They're agnostic or atheists. Now, this Pew Research Center report called Faith Among Black Americans that was conducted in late 2019 through mid-2020 in in which these findings were released in uh, March of, of 2021, last month. The research goes on to say if you take out the agnostic or the atheist, then 94% believe in God or some black, some higher power, excuse me. So what they're saying is 94% of these black nuns uh, believe in God or a higher power. I mean, that's, I guess that's geared the, the, the belief in God or some higher power. I think that falls more along in the line of the agnostic because I, I, well, it could be the agnostic and the atheist because agnostics believe there is a God, but he's unknown and he may be unknowingly, meaning maybe there isn't a God. That's what I guess the agnostics, they're saying that there may be, but then again, there may not, whereas the atheist is saying there isn't and there's a higher power. So what they're saying is 94% believe in God or higher power. That would be your black nuns. Now, in comparison to those black Americans that are affiliated to a religion, which stands at 85%, that believe of the God and the Bible, while there's only 36% of the black nuns that hold that same belief of the God of the Bible. Now, black nuns are more likely to believe in reincarnation, which is at 47%, than those black Americans that are affiliated, which stand at 37%. So it's about a 10% gap. You know, the black nuns say they believe in reincarnation, while those that are affiliated say, nah, well, it's only 37%. Now, this nothing in particular approach to religion also espouses on what's called a divergent belief, which is a belief in another spiritual force or higher power. And that's at 52%. Now, the the divergent belief that that there's, of course, uh, they're saying they believe that there is another spiritual force or higher power outside of God and this nothing in particular, nothing in particular approaches is pretty much for those that don't go to church or they have limited church visits because they, you know, they say they can't find a particular church that aligns with what they believe. Or there's some that say also they can't find a particular church because of all the church politics that goes along with it, which, like I said before, is very understandable. That aspect of not being able to find a church because of church politics. You know, you got people in there, they've got their own agenda. Sometimes, when you know, those people, they, they appear to, uh, in no way, shape, form, or fashion, 
not only following the church doctrine, but aren't even adhering to anything in the Bible. They have their own agenda, their own way of doing things, their own spiritual belief, and they believe this is how it is. You know, I, I've met some of them. Not very pleasing people to be around, let me say that. Because like I said, a lot of times when you sit down and talk to them, it's me, 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 me. Uh, nothing goes back to the Bible or God. They have their own agenda. So I, I can understand or under, uh, I can understand when, when they, those say they have they have a nothing in particular approach to religion because of foolishness like that. But you're still supposed to have that one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God, I believe. But crazy as it sounds, how can they have that one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God when they've never been taught that? Like I said, I, I've gone into a church and the whole sermon has been about money. I sat there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours listening to a guy talk to me about money. They are giving my money to him. Yeah, well, I won't get on that. I won't tear off on that tantrum this morning. So let's move on move on here. Um, 81, like I said, 81% of black nuns also say they never or seldom go to church. Just like I said, but they are more likely to pray, to pray at least once a month. That's a problem in that. That might be a problem, but that goes back to that one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God. And a lot of people, you know what I, I've discovered it, it, it sounds foolish, but a lot of people don't understand that aspect of your personal being or, or, or personal welfare. They think they're supposed to go to the preacher because that's how preacher or pastor or bishop, because that's how religion was given to them. You know, a lot of people say, um, you know, I don't like reading the Bible or whatever. Or I've even heard people say, I don't know how to pray. I'm, but I'm thinking to myself, I guess it's a generation. It is a generational thing. Because I'm thinking to myself, when I hear this, I don't know how to pray. But you go to church. What? I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to be? One of the things you're supposed to be taught how to pray, how to talk to God, how to communicate to God, how to ask him. You know, no, I go to my pastor. Go to you. Well, yeah, I mean, the pastor is there to help you along the way, but you still, and, and, and this whole thing goes back to what I said about the, the, not having a one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God. Like I said, when that person told me, well, I don't know how to pray. How do you not know how to pray? What do you mean? And then they explained. And there I saw, my eyes were open. So this um, black nuns or no, nothing in particular approach to religion. This is the end. This is the result of that mindset or belief or teaching that pastor is a quick link to God. Yeah, I said that. And it was going to piss a lot of people off. Because what this this these articles that I've read and I've talked about, it all goes to you as the individual, you as the being, not having a one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God. How can you go through your adult life and say, I don't know how to pray? I've always had someone to pray for me. And there's nothing wrong with having someone to pray for you. Hey, I mean, yeah, you, you do need people to pray for you. But you're still supposed to have a one-on-one -on -one working relationship with God yourself. So I think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a naivete on my part. Hey, what do I know? It's worked for me all these years. I mean, I'm not the most religious person you're going to find. But I do know God. Now, as far as those that say that there's a higher supreme being, uh, I can't, uh, uh, nah. You know, they say there is no God, there's a higher being that we should go to. 
uh, I, I think those people are those that have uh, maybe were one point in time in church and got in there and got fed up with all of that nonsense. I mean, I have to tell you, and I'm sure a lot of you have discovered very much like I have. You have to be mindful of the information that you allow to be inputted into your brain. And not only do you have to be aware and, and on alert of what information is inputted into your brain, you have to be aware and alerted as to who or whom is putting it in there. Because we, we found ourselves in many instances reading stories or hearing stories or seeing stories or talking to people where those pastors, preachers, bishops, reverends were Crooks, swindlers, pimps, hustlers, whatever you want to call them, they weren't on the up and up. And I think a lot of people have got caught up with those people. And, and now they're, I don't think they're, they say they're questioning God. I honestly don't think they're questioning God. I think they're questioning man. And they really should be questioning why or how did I allow myself to rely totally and ultimately on one human being or one group of humans to tell me about God. Because that ain't how it works. If you read that Bible, if you pray and ask for understanding and knowledge of his word, it is revealed in there to you about false prophets I don't even think they teach that anymore in church. Man. And you know, there's a lot of things. I, you know, there's a lot of things that, that I've found aren't being taught or preached on in church now that when I was coming along was. And it helped me through life. So for me, it has to be what is being taught or preached in church? Because it ain't working because your church memberships are declining. People are even, even saying they're agnostic or atheists. They don't believe in God outright. Or they believe in a higher being outside of God. What, what, what are y'all teaching? Pastor. You're teaching foolishness. And these people know about it. this younger generation. I tell you, we, we talk trash about them. But, you know, like I said before, even as it relates to school and, and this new indoctrination of you trying to uh, uh, get this or, or, or teach them this or teach them about that. And now we're finding out there quite possibly could, could be a new indoctrination as to how religion or, or God is taught in church. This younger generation, they will tell you when you're full of it and they can pick up on it real quick. They have no filter, rightfully so, especially with some of this nonsense that's going on. This is this is the, that is the reason why, you know, these numbers are 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 high. They're pretty high as to those that don't believe or have a nothing in particular approach to religion, meaning they don't want to go and join a church because of foolishness, rightfully so. This is what I think of when, 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 when I go to church. I'm going to church. I don't care about who's in there. I don't care about what they have on. I don't care about how much money they give. I don't care about what board they're on. I'm going to church to get the word. I need the word. I don't need the social climactic atmosphere of belonging. If I want to belong if any, to anything, it is to belong to the Lord. Boy, I sound like a preacher, but I mean, I'm just being honest. And all the rest that goes along with church, the pageantry that you see. Yeah, that's nice. But I need the word. And I don't need you to stand up there for an hour or, or hour and a half rambling. Give me the word. Give me every aspect of the word. And I'm fine. 
But like I said, a lot of people, you know, that, that that's not what, how it was explained to them. I had one person, <laughs> I had one person one day tell me, and this is before I, I, I um, you know, I, I don't want to say, I, I, I never found religion. Or, or this is before I, I, I really became um, more connected to God because I was a bit, a bit wild and rambunctious at one point in time. And I, and I did always, I've always read the Bible. Well, this person tells me one day, <laughs> says to me, um, <clears throat> maybe your luck will be better if you go to church. And I thought to myself, luck. I've read the Bible. I mean, I haven't read the full Bible. At that time, I hadn't read the full Bible. But I've never seen luck anywhere in there. So, and this person, they, they, they would go to church uh, quite regularly. So my response was, well, where is luck in the Bible? And of course, you know, that started a, a debate. And yeah, that person got in a little tiff at me because I told, pretty much said, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible I've ever heard of luck. I heard of blessings, but luck, as far as I'm concerned, is something man-made, a, man, a man-made word. Politically correct word, even. I've never, I still haven't found luck in the Bible. Maybe it is in there. I don't know, but I, I never did. So, you know, these decline in church memberships and these this younger generation that is walking away from the church altogether, and, and some of them are quite frankly walking away from religion. I got to be honest with you. This is something totally new to the, the, the black community because like I said in the previous podcast, we all know at one point in time, being a member of a, ch- a church or, or, or whatever, even if you were just a member or, or, or you sat on the board or whatever, you were that was your status. That, that's what you were known for. That people would meet and greet and say, hey, I know you. you uh, yeah, I attend such and such. Like politicians, when they ran, they would put on their resume what church they attended. Things are out of swag. And they're out of swag for many reasons. I, I, you know, hey. It's the teachings that's going on inside these churches. A lot of these pastors, bishops, preachers, reverends, whatever, they're thinking about money and their building fund. Or buying them a jet. (laughs) Well, certainly with everything that's going on in the world and going on around us, now more than ever, I believe wholeheartedly we need God. I think people need to just Seek God for yourself. Now, I'm not knocking the church or anything, but seek God for yourself. Find out for yourself what he's truthfully about. Because when I finally decided to settle down and stop being a wild, crazy nut job, I was so amazed. So amazed that what I found in comparison to what was being taught to me in church at that time, it was nothing. It wasn't even close. It just wasn't. I, like many, and I believe this goes back to these these people that are saying they they have a nothing in particular approach or a straight out atheist. When I finally sat down and allowed God to come in after asking, I found out I had been hoodwinked, bamboozled, ran astray, ran amok, however you want to say it. I had been hustled. That's why I say, you know, religion is, I guess you could say religion is man-made. But spirituality to me is you having that one-on-one working relationship with God because that would ground you on so many levels. So many things that you fly off into a tantrum about or you get down and out and, and, and sad about and depressed and feel as though you're not loved or whatever and no one cares or understand about me. When you get that one-on-one working relationship with God, all of that goes out the window because you know there is a greater greater than yourself, greater than the church, greater than the bishop, greater than the preacher, greater than the reverend, you know there is a greater 
greater. Now, I also remember, you know, they were those agnostics, I believe, or I can't remember if it was atheists. They were alluding to that too. So I just say it's it's all about that you you your being, your person, who you are, that will help you along the way. Because at the end of the day, all of these preachers, bishops, pastors, reverends, they're human. And of course, they're going to make mistakes. There's a lot of that that for those that were called or, or whatever in the Bible that made mistakes. So they're only human. But you're supposed to have that one-on-one working relationship with God. It's just that simple to me. It is. It really is. Well, I'm going to get out of here. I just wanted to get on this this morning and talk to you guys for a few. Uh, I don't know what I'll do today. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. Maybe I'll relax. I would say I would watch. I usually uh, record one of my favorite shows and I usually catch it. If not that night, or even if I watch it that night, Wednesday night, I'll go back and watch it again on Thursday. Snowfall, it, it was the season finale last week. I don't know if any of you guys uh, watch Snowfall, but man, that is a great show. That is arguably, in my opinion, John Singleton's best work. It is. That's arguably his best work. Because I've been watching it for since season one. And I think this is the fourth or fifth season. Might be coming. No, this might be coming up on the fifth. I don't know. I've been watching it from day one, and man, I've been glued to the TV ever since. Ever since. But like I said last week, was it the season finale? So now I don't have anything to watch on Wednesday. Well, there's a few shows that I watch, but it's nothing like Snowfall. It just isn't. So now all I have to watch is my wrestling. And that only comes, well, that's that's Monday, Friday. I think it's another one that comes on or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Thursday. But yeah, now all I have to watch is my good old wrestling. Well, that's all for me. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, Share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice. You can also make monetary contributions, continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. This is Stephen Carnegie, for this is just a thought. Amen.